Hello everyone, my name is Simon Carver 
and welcome to Dagnall Street Baptist Church's podcast service for Sunday the 17th of April and a happy Easter to you all. Our music last week reflected the sombre mood of Passion Sunday but this week we've begun in a quite different fashion and one most appropriate for Easter Sunday as we've heard Farrell Williams' song Happy. We will also be hearing a number of Easter songs and ending with Journey's call on us not to stop believing. A few notices. If you hear this podcast in time, we have an Easter communion at 9am, which is followed by breakfast. There will also be our Easter Sunday service at 10.30. After its Easter break, our toddler group meets again on Wednesday from 9.45 to 11.15. On Saturday, the annual Unlock London Walk takes place and a group from Dagnall Street will be taking part. If you'd like to join us for the seven and a half mile walk around Tower Hamlets, we will meet at St Albans City Railway Station at 8.30. More information about Unlock and the walk can be found in this month's church magazine. Next Sunday's service will be an all-age messy church, and all are welcome. And now our call to worship. Creator God, giver of life. Jesus Christ, Lord of life. Holy Spirit, pulse of life. We bring you our alleluias and our thanks for the joy, the hope and the wonder of the resurrection which we celebrate today. Amen.
Creator God, your Son Jesus walked the earth as we do today, and his life, death and resurrection free us to embrace the fullness of life you offer to all that you have made. In his name we, your church, your family, gather to celebrate this day, to encourage one another, to draw close to you, glad to be alive, glad to worship you, glad to sing out, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. God of surprises, we praise you that from the silence of an empty tomb, a message of joy has spread around the world. From the brutality of a death on a cross, healing love has touched the whole of creation. From the initial uncertainty of the first disciples, your church has grown and reached out in faith to all. Thank you for Easter. Thank you for life. Thank you for everything. Amen. Our reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24, beginning at the first verse. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Now the green blade rises is the first line of one of my favourite Easter hymns, and I shall be surprised if I don't choose it sometime over the next few weeks. The tune is called Noel Novelle, and although in a minor key, it does have a jaunty feel. The clue is in the name, but the tune was originally connected to a 15th century Christmas carol. We tend to associate it most with the Easter hymn, the first verse of which goes, Now the green blade rises from the buried grain, wheat that in dark earth many days has lain. This Easter hymn makes the obvious connection between Easter resurrection and the new life that we see in creation each spring. As the ground is broken by new shoots and apparently lifeless trees become green, we celebrate Easter in our churches. Winter giving way to spring is a natural part of the cycle of life and the seasons in the created world. It is natural that we should associate this new life with the new life of Easter and Resurrection. But there is a problem here. The problem is that it could make us believe that Resurrection is natural when it is fundamentally 
and disturbingly unnatural. So effortless is this connection between springtime and Easter that, unless we are vigilant, we succumb to thinking that resurrection is as natural a thing as grass coming up green, as eggs cracking open to reveal chicks, as butterflies crawling out of cocoons. As beautiful as this coincidence is, there is something deceptive about it too, and we need to remember that there is nothing about resurrection that is natural. The unnaturalness of resurrection is there to be seen in the Gospel writer's account of what happened early on that Sunday morning. Mark best records the reaction of the women who went to the tomb when he records that they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had come upon them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. In our reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the women are less terror-struck and more perplexed As Eugene Peterson translates this passage in his message version of the Bible, they were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Peter had the same sense of bewilderment. He walked away puzzled, shaking his head. It was quite the crowd that burst in on the disciples who were hiding behind locked doors. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the other women. And we don't know how many women there were, but I would imagine that they were babbling excitedly. Luke tells us that they told the disciples all this. What all did they tell them? Did they talk about how frightened they were when they saw that the stone had already been removed? Did they describe the men in dazzling clothes? Did they repeat the sermon the luminous men preached to them? Did the women and would the disciples really remember what Jesus had told them, that he would be handed over to sinners, crucified, and on the third day rise again? Jesus had taught them so many things over the years. Can we forgive them for suppressing that terrifying lesson? And can we forgive the disciples for thinking that the women were babbling about an idle tale? The Gospel according to Mark tells us that the women themselves couldn't make sense of it. Even though they were told to go and tell the disciples what to do, they fled from the tomb for terror and amazement. They said nothing. Nothing. Easter is not the day on which we are to say nothing. We are here to proclaim that, just as Jesus told us he would, Christ the Lord is risen today. But we also should not be surprised when people continue in the footsteps of the disciples, receiving that message as an idle tale. We find ourselves living in an age of idle tales, filled with many questions. What are we to believe? What is the truth and what is a wild conspiracy theory? Who are we to believe? I suspect many think that the Easter message is just one more message, that is, in Shakespeare's words, a tale full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. An empty tomb, what did that mean? Men in dazzling white, who were they? Early in the morning, carrying spices, the women were there to do the final preparations of their teachers, their friends' body. This was not what they expected to discover at the end of their sad journey. Then again, the entire story of God's relationship with us, God's creatures, is a story of the unexpected. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As we reflect upon today's unexpected news and idle tale, we need to do what those dazzling men told the women to do. Think back. 
not just to what Jesus told them, but on all the things that God has done. From the beginning, we've been challenged to see the unexpected, the bewildering and impossible. God is always doing new things. Out of a formless void came light, water, dry land. From the clay on a riverbank, God formed creatures in God's own image. We are told that wolves shall live with the lamb. People walk through the sea on dry land and the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. Do we not perceive it? as Isaiah wrote. Are we willing to believe that nothing will be impossible with God, as the angel said to Mary? We see God do impossible things every day. Unfortunately, we ignore or dismiss them. We look the other way or we search for a plausible explanation. Easter is not the time to offer a scientific, plausible account. Once again, God has done the impossible. Death has no dominion over the Holy One. We need to take Easter courage to proclaim this news, first from Jesus. He continued to teach and proclaim the good news despite the thick-headedness of his listeners. Peter refused to listen when Jesus told his friends what was going to happen. Get behind me, Satan, was Jesus' response. Over and over, Jesus had watched them ignore what they saw happen before their very eyes. They'd watch Jesus feed an enormous hillside of people, walk to them through a storm, and still their hearts were hardened. We need to take our encouragement and follow the example of that excited crowd of women. They burst into that locked room telling everything to their friends. They didn't care about the looks on the faces of their listeners. They didn't wait for a chorus of Jesus Christ is risen today. They had amazing news they had to share even if those in the room thought it was an idle tale. Finally, we need to turn away from what is not there, focusing instead on the good news. As the men ask the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? The Church of All Nations in Jerusalem is built on the Mount of Olives, next to the Garden of Gethsemane. Inside the building there's a sign, no explanations inside the church. The sign is there to discourage tour guides from chatting away to their clients as they take them around this beautiful church built on this deeply significant Christian site. However, it might be something for us to take on board when it comes to our thinking about Easter and resurrection. While we can use the imagery of seeds and plants that Paul uses in his letter to the Corinthians, we can't get away from the fact that our life on this earth ends in death. And when a loved one dies, they are gone from our sight in this world. We are left with the hope and indeed the promise that there will be resurrection. When a preacher or an evangelist is confronted by a room full of people who spend most of their time in secular social ways of thinking, where the dead stay dead and God, if there is one, doesn't intervene in the natural order, we are tempted to mount a defence of the resurrection within what is plausible to the modern mind. In doing so, they tame a dangerous mystery into a manageable and therefore rather harmless assumption. There is nothing wrong with addressing people's doubts or wondering what facts might lie behind what former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, has called the painfully untidy stories of the Easter narratives. There have been a number of books that have sought to prove the truth of the resurrection. 
There was a film a couple of years ago in which Joseph Fiennes played a Roman soldier who was tasked to prove that talk of resurrection was false. But in a story that was told as if it were CSI Jerusalem, he came to believe that what seemed impossible is true. But all of these attempts to prove the resurrection of Jesus are work for another day. Easter Sunday is a day for proclamation. It's not a day for explanations. Easter Sunday is a time to meet the one who changes everything. The central question of Easter is not what happened to Jesus way back then, but rather where is Jesus now for us? Easter becomes not a matter of our questioning the resurrection, but of allowing the resurrection to question us. Who are we now and what must we become in the light of the risen Christ? The role of a preacher on Easter Sunday is not to convince so much as it is to invite, to invite the mixed crowd of believers, seekers and doubters to embrace the Easter experience and consent to be changed by it. In order to connect the risenness of Jesus with the risenness of us and all creation, there are two fundamental themes. Easter is now and resurrection has consequences. Since it only occurs once a year, Easter Sunday is sometimes mistaken for a commemorative anniversary of a past event. In fact, the earliest churches treated the paschal mystery of Christ's death and resurrection as the timeless subject of every time that they celebrated the Supper of the Lord. The establishment of an annual observance of Easter Day was a later development. The resurrection, although breaking into history on a specific temporal occasion, is not owned by the past. As the future that God is making shows itself in our present, the event that we celebrate at Easter belongs to all times and seasons. Jesus is alive, still showing up as a transfiguring presence in a world fraught with absences. Jesus is not over, and his story is not over. It will only be completed when God is in all, and all are in God. Easter isn't something we remember, it's something we live and breathe. Resurrection has consequences. The resurrection is more than an idea we talk about or believe as we believe a fact. It's something we become, something we prove in the living of our stories. Rowan Williams again describes it this way. The believer's life is a testimony to the risenness of Jesus. He or she demonstrates that Jesus is not dead by living a life in which Jesus is the never-failing source of affirmation, challenge, enrichment and enlargement. A pattern, a dance, intelligible as a pattern only when its pivot and heart become manifest. The believer shows Jesus as the centre of his or her life. I've sometimes talked about the way in which the artists of the Easter Orthodox tradition paint the resurrection. In these paintings, Jesus is never by himself. He's always depicted taking the dead by the hand and pulling them out of their own tombs. Christ's hand snatching us from death is a vivid image. George Herbert, the 17th century poet, priest, who wrote amongst other hymns, King of Glory, King of Peace and the king of love my shepherd is, makes reference to orthodox icons of the resurrection in his poem Easter. Sing his praise without delays, who takes thee by the hand, 
that thou likewise with him mayest rise. Human beings generally don't know or ignore what is good for them and those things that are slowly killing us exert a powerful gravity. And as someone has written, we sag under the weight of our despair. We resist the hand that pulls us upward. But Christ is not put off and persists. George Herbert's voice reaches us from across the centuries as he writes, Arise, sad heart, if thou dost not withstand Christ's resurrection, thine may be. Do not by hanging down break from the hand, which as it riseth, raiseth thee. Do not by hanging down break from Christ's hand. Christ came to save us from our least selves. That's the gift and the challenge of the resurrection. And it applies to our common life as well as to our private selves. The first disciples, so scattered and shamed by the events of the Passion, made this perfectly clear when their broken and bewildered community was restored to life. And so it is for all of us who follow. Resurrection is about the healing and restoration of wounded and severed relationships, vertical and horizontal. Relationships between God and humanity, between human persons and ultimately among all the elements of creation. An orthodox theologian, Patriarch Athenagoras, puts the case in the widest possible terms. The resurrection is not the resuscitation of a body, it is the beginning of the transfiguration of the world. That should be our focus on Easter Sunday. Easter is one of those occasions, along with Christmas, when people who do not attend church regularly might come. Some will want to be with family. Others might be with us to see what all the fuss is about. Of course, we don't want to control what people take away from the Easter celebration. But we can hope that the faithful will be inspired and empowered and that outsiders may be intrigued and even fed by spending time with a resurrection community alive with the Spirit. The primary task of preachers on Easter Sunday is not to argue the evidence for the resurrection, but to help our communities become that evidence. May the whole world one day see and know a church which has been shocked into bliss, from which it has never recovered.
cannot keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. Up from the grave he rose, with a mighty triumph on his walls. He rose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, Alleluia, Christ arose. Let us pray. Lord God, our hearts fill with joy today at the most wonderful news ever. Jesus is alive. We thank you for all the signs of life that we see around us. Sunshine, blossom on the trees, baby birds and animals, buds peeping through the ground. New life is blooming everywhere. Thank you for the smell of spring, the warmer days, the lighter nights, all pointing towards the regeneration that comes from you. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory over death you've won. Lord Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for us. Thank you that you love us so much that you willingly suffered all the pain and horror so that we might have a relationship with God. We rejoice that the curtain of separation was torn in two as you died, reconciling us to God. Thank you for love beyond measure for us. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory over death you've won. Thank you, Lord, for the tremendous victory of the resurrection. Thank you for the hope, the joy, the fulfillment, the everlasting life that your rising brings. Words cannot fully express the amazing triumph of that silent moment in the garden, where you once again began to breathe. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory over death you've won. Lord, we thank you for signs of resurrection in our own lives. Perhaps something new learnt, a chance for rest and relaxation, a new job, a new member of the family, a recovery. There are so many ways that you bring new growth into our lives. And we pause now to thank you for special times that we have recently experienced. Thine be the glory, risen conquering sun. Endless is the victory over death you've won. Lord Jesus, as the women came to the tomb in sorrow, their eyes full of tears, we are aware of so much sorrow still in our world. We lift you now all the places where conflict exists, between nations, between factions, between families, between partners. We bring to you our suffering planet, where the beauty you have created is being squeezed by humanity's selfishness and greed. We bring to you all those who are in pain, those we know and love who are sick, full of sorrow, loneliness or despair. Lord, we deeply desire that your resurrected presence will fill those people and places of pain and redeem them, bringing the new life that is so dearly needed. Touch every heart with your eternal love, 
filling each seemingly hopeless situation with the promise of resurrected, everlasting hope. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory over death you've won. Lord, the news of your rising was so amazing that even your closest friends struggled to believe it at first. We pray for all those we know who struggle to believe and trust in you. We ask you to help them ponder the evidence, just like Peter did, and to think seriously about what they see. Help us to show them by our joy at your resurrection that new life in Jesus is for everyone, forever. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory over death you've won. As we celebrate your victory, Lord, go before us this week into every situation we face. Give us new eyes to encounter your freshness and new life. Help us to remember that your resurrection is forever, not just for one day. Thank you for being alive in us now. Breathe your spirit into our hearts this week so that we may be faithful witnesses to all that you are and all that you have done. Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Endless is the victory over death you've won. Lord, on this most special of days, we once again say thank you with all of our being. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.
Our last piece of music is Journey's Don't Stop Believing, which seems to me to be a pithy version of what the angels said to the women at the tomb. But first a final prayer. May the blessing of the God who danced at the dawning of creation be with us. May the blessing of the Son who challenges us to dance the pain of the world's suffering be with us. And may the blessing of the Spirit who invites us to join in the dance of celebration be with us from now into eternity. Amen. Okay. 